This is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Welcome to The Feed, the first of this new year. As we embrace and look forward to, as best we can, what our lives are and could be in 2023, some of us may need a little inspiration. To that end, we are dedicating this edition of The Feed to people who inspire, some of whom you may know, others you've not met yet, and that is about to change today. Here we go. Our first guest is the head of one of Canada's largest food banks. He's also former CEO of Habitat for Humanity, past leader of Dixon Hall, an organization dedicated to helping thousands in need lead better lives. He's also board chair of House of Compassion and serves on both the Feed Ontario and the Salvation Army National Advisory Boards. He holds degrees from Western, Seneca, Harvard, and the University of Virginia, and he received the Distinguished Alumni of the Year Award from several business schools, including Ivy and Royal St. George's College. He's the recipient of the Queen Elizabeth both Golden and Diamond Jubilee Medals, the Premier's Award for Outstanding Ontario College Graduates, and one of the most influential people, according to Toronto Life magazine. He serves, he gives, he cares, he inspires. Neil Hetherington, CEO of the Daily Bread Food Bank, is our guest on the feed. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you for joining us, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Anne. It's great to chat with you. You've spent so much time giving to others. Your career, though, really took off when you worked for Tridel, Canada's largest condo developer. Why did you make the change from something that would be a huge moneymaker for you into something that is helping other people live, survive, and live better quality lives? Well, I think you probably just said it in the question. Um, you know, the opportunity to be able to serve uh, where you know that other people's lives are, are enriched is um, incredibly motivating. Uh, for, for me, I need to live by a, a mission. I need to, uh, you know, with Habitat for Humanity, it was to make sure that uh, we eradicate poverty housing from the face of the earth. And that's inspiring. It was inspiring every single time we handed the keys of a, of a home to a family. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that essentially, you know, motivated me to get out of bed every single day. And in the same way, I get a great amount of joy out of being able to um, uh, walk alongside perhaps a difficult journey that uh, the people are having, having to uh, uh, make use of the food bank. Um, but there is a whole host of clients, volunteers, sponsors, donors um, who come together around this mission of food insecurity and say it's fundamentally wrong that somebody's right to food isn't being realized. We can do something about it. Today, we can make sure that people can get the food that they need for their family today, but at the same time, we can advocate for, for change. And, uh, and so it's living by a mission that I think uh, is what I need to, uh, to fuel me. You know, those are broad strokes when you describe this. I want to talk about you personally and the face of poverty, and you see it every single day, and you have for decades now in the work that you've been doing. What is the face of poverty right now in Canada? Well, what a what a great question. Um, the face of poverty is uh, is certainly changing. It is uh, moving away from, I think, the stereotypical viewpoint that people have of uh, of poverty. Um, you know, some people believe that poverty is essentially uh, caused by uh, laziness, or perhaps there's an addiction uh, issue, um, things like that 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 just aren't the case. 
you know, at, at, at the Daily Bread, we are serving people uh, on a, just every single day. And the, the face of those people is changing. It's the people that are across the cubicle from you now. Yeah. One third of the people who, who make use of food banks in Toronto have a full-time job. And yet they still have to come to a, a food uh, bank. They have to rely on food charity in order to get by. And so that brings about questions, systemic questions that we need to, to address. But I would say the face of poverty is changing. It's not the stereotype you think that it is. And the man or woman that is sitting beside you on the streetcar or on the subway uh, are the, uh, the, the folks that are having to make use of food banks. Neil, why is food insecurity becoming such an issue here in Canada? You're asking great questions, Anna. Thank you. Um, the, uh, there's, there's multiple reasons for this, but, you know, I think fundamentally uh, it goes back to uh, three, three areas of concern. The first one is a lack of decent, affordable housing. Uh, we divested ourselves in the 90s of, of deep federal investments in a national housing strategy. And we, we are paying for that you know, two generations later with a lack of, of social housing. Uh, and, um, and, and we feel that. So people simply are paying far too much to be able to live in the community that they choose to, uh, uh, to, to live in. The second reason is the rise of precarious employment. Um, so if you think about uh, the gig economy and what has happened over the past uh, decade or so, uh, where individuals, they may have a full-time, uh, full-time hours, but they've got those hours because they've cobbled together two or three part-time jobs. That means that they don't have benefits. That means when their child is sick, they are making difficult decisions between medications or rent. Um, it, it means that they don't have access to, to dental care. And, and so they are too rich to make use of any social programs, but yet too, too poor to be able to, uh, to get by without uh, food assistance. And, uh, and the third one, really, we're, we're seeing this massive divide between individuals who are on disability and what the poverty line is in, in our province. So the poverty line is about $2,100 a month. If you don't have that income, you're below the poverty line for a, a single individual. Uh, somebody who is on disability receives $1,229 a month. Every month they are underwater by some $900. And so, uh, so we need to look honestly at, uh, at what income supports are appropriate for people who cannot work. And so I think you bring those three things together, income supports, uh, precarious employment, and decent affordable housing, and, and you start to tackle them one by one. Uh, perhaps they're all rolled into a guaranteed basic income um, to, to solve the issue. But what I can tell you is that we are moving further and further away from solutions right now. Your grandfather was General Arnold Brown, international leader of the Salvation Army. What kind of influence did he have on you and over you? Well, I think he still has a significant influence over me. Um, my grandfather died when I was about uh, 25 or 26 years old, and he uh, led a remarkable life uh, leading uh, the Salvation Army worldwide. And um, I had just started as CEO of Habitat for Humanity in Toronto uh, uh, a year or two before his death. 
And I think now, as as anybody in, does, you know, at our age, we start thinking about, wouldn't it be amazing if we were able to have a conversation now with our grandparents mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, versus uh, when we, we spent time with them at a younger age when we didn't know what to ask them. We didn't know the, the questions or the conversations to, to have. So, um, so I, I, that part makes me uh, sad that I can't talk to him now about the challenges that, I, that we have at the Daily Bread Food Bank, but um, uh, he certainly is a source of inspiration, um, reading through the books that he has uh, written and uh, um, knowing the stories that I know of how he was able to, to lead the, the Salvation Army um, makes me uh, proud and makes me uh, resolved to do better uh, and to do more. It is the first full weekend of January in the year 2023 that we are speaking now. What are your hopes and dreams for this year when it comes to the people that you serve and that you help at Daily Bread Food Bank? Well, before the pandemic, we were serving about 60,000 clients per month. Um, That number last month was 209,000 clients. So up from 60,000 to 209,000. So I I think it's pretty clear what my hope for 2023 is, that that number begins to decline, that we start to see uh, a positive turn in the numbers of individuals who are food insecure and having to make use of the Daily Bread Food Bank. That is my hope. Um, and uh, But I am planning, and we are planning for more difficult times ahead. If you think about it, those numbers are ridiculously high at a time where unemployment is actually relatively good. Anybody can go out and get a low-paying job uh, quite quickly. Um, and so when you think about uh, how we are taming inflation with higher interest rates and the effect that that has not only not on the economy but on, on individuals and families themselves, then, uh, then you, you, you have to come to the conclusion that we've got difficult times ahead of us for 2023. So I, I will go out with optimism into this year, uh, but plan for uh, a more pragmatic and, and difficult uh, number of uh, people that we need to serve. Neil Hetherington, CEO of the Daily Bread Food Bank, and my friend, thank you for joining us on The Feed. Next, remembering what makes this province and this country a beacon of hope to so many around the world. Jim Lang with that conversation. Now, in case you missed it, Patrick Gossage is one of this nation's most highly respected PR practitioners and had the uh, uh, privilege of being the press secretary for Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau back in the day. And he joins us today in the feed. Patrick, how are you? Well, I'm good. I'm, uh, you know, watching news with awe, you know. <laughs> it's just a, an incredibly dissent, unsettling time of our lives politically, that's for sure. Um, things are not moving the way they're supposed to, you know, and I think people are losing a lot of faith in their elected representatives suddenly, you know. I don't know. Not a good time, uh, Jim, I don't think. No, but that's the reason I had you on, Patrick, because you know the good times. And sometimes I think that whether it's the news cycle or social media, 
In Canada, we tend to focus on the negatives, and I think we should spend some time focusing on the positives in this country because you compare it to other nations, we're not perfect, Patrick, but I'll take Canada. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think when you see that uh, how many millions of people want to come and live here, you know, which are backed up for years in the in the immigration, and, and you know, and we're, and we're celebrating the largest number of immigrants ever. Like, what is it, 420,000 mm-hmm. this year? I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And these are people that want to start a new life here, and they, they feel that we're free and safe and a wonderful place. And, I mean, I must say, Canadians are incredibly welcoming to, uh, you know, to people from all over the world, and that is something absolutely unique. You know, I mean, I think there's a there's a a, a value put on diversity here that's really quite unbelievable. Which started, by the way, with my own boss with the multicultural policy. You know, he he decided that uh, you know that we were going to celebrate the fact that there were many many cultures all getting on and not afraid to and not afraid to show our cultures, you know, from other places. And that's what's made Toronto a wonderful place, even Newmarket, <laughs> you wow. know, with all its ethnic restaurants. I mean, we celebrate and love going out into the world, and, you know, and eating eating every kind of dish you can imagine and meeting people who are, you know, fascinating, have fascinating backgrounds and bring their talents to this country and, you know, run, you know, and they, you know, often run the things that we value most, the restaurants and the specialty stores and so on. No, it is a wonderful country from that point of view. And I don't think, I think you're right. I think our politicians, uh, you know, bogged down in, you know, in really pretty petty, pretty petty uh, divisions, you know, and, and they seem to, we seem to be buying into the divisive kind of politics from the United States, which is a shame because I think I think there's a there is a consensus in this country that we are a good country and that you know we have a there's a lot to do and there are a lot of things not are broken, but you know where is the desire to fix them and make this place even better? I don't see it very much. Anyway, there you are. <laughs> now, Patrick, you wrote a great book called Close to the Charisma about your time in the Trudeau years and. And Justin Trudeau is not Pierre Elliott Trudeau, but he is charismatic. And how can he maybe take a page from his father's playbook and use that charisma to, to unite Canada a little bit more? Well, I think he's got a, I, I mean, you know, he's, I mean, I, I wish that, you know, that the, that the Justin Trudeau we saw at the, at the uh, investigation into the uh, use of the Emergencies Act, where he spoke with mm. such feeling and such grace and such ease. And, you know, we don't see that Trudeau. And, you know, <laughs> if you'll let Trudeau be Trudeau, I think he's over-scripted and over-coddled over, over by his people uh, and who are terribly worried about him making a mistake. This is the big error of, of people who work in politics. And, you know, his father made lots of mistakes, but we almost, you know, we... <laughs> We actually kind of celebrated them, you know, giving the finger to the to the uh, people. I won't sell your weed. I mean, these things became famous, and you know, people didn't mind him being himself, you know, and making mistakes. And I think, you know, somehow Trudeau's got to find his mojo again, you know. And uh, it's hard, you know, because you know, there's 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 so many so many holes open up in front of politicians these days as you say, with the endless scrutiny of the media, 
and you know every word is parsed and so on and it's a it's a scary kind of a time and to be to be honest and be yourself is very difficult for politicians you know it's a hard thing to do now anyway well, Patrick, I, I mean, I look at this nation in 2023, and we have so much going for it, so much positivity, and I have two girls in university, and I mean, the, the country's changed so much since I was in college in the 80s, and it's changed for the better, and, and I think of our future, the next 10, 15, 20 years, I'm excited to think about the some of the people that will get into politics and make this country a better place. Well, I hope so. I mean, I really hope so. I, I, I really hope so, and I hope that, I hope that, you know, politicians can do some of the obvious things to to make us a little more, you know, to to kind of fill some of the cracks that have been appear appearing in our society. And they're not that hard to fill. You know, let's face it. I mean, if if we if we could if some politicians could have the guts to you know impose a wealth tax on the incredible amounts of money that have been made uh, during the pandemic by the big corporations and the kind of inequality that has sprung up. I mean, I thought that the figure that said that, you know, that it was in the front page of the star and it was or the front page of the business section of the star. And what it said basically was that, you know, at 9.43 on, on January the 3rd, um, the average corporate executive made as much in those three days as the, as, as Canadians did in the whole year with the, $58,000 and the average corporate executive is making 14 million mm. now. And I think, you know, I think this, the, the healthcare system and the situation it's in and so on. And there's something really wrong with people being able to amass such a fortune without, and I think a wealth tax is, I think that's something that would be, you know, I, and it's something that, um, obviously, um, you know, Jang B. Seng wants, but you know, I think it's, I think it's a good idea, and I think people are, people, people, the, the middle class is, is having a rough time, and the working, the working people in this country are having a rough time, and it, I think it would be a feel-good thing to say, you know what, you know, the really wealthy are going to pay more of their share. It just seems to me to be one of those things that would, um, you know, make everybody feel a little better about the politics in this country, you know? Because the the sad thing is, is that the polls are showing that the the leaders that we look to, Trudeau and Polivier, are really, you know, disliked by the majority of Canadians. This this new Nanos poll mm. that's that's a bit scary, Jim. You know, and, yeah. And you know, it's not occurred before in our time. I mean, the the the, the prime ministers were relatively popular, you know, and. Uh, Trio never had that kind of unpopularity. His father never did. You know, so how does how do we regain our respect for politicians in a country which I agree is really a wonderful place to live? You know, uh, that's a that's a challenge. You know. I mean, your boss, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, talked about a just society. To me, that's one of the great legacies of any politicians this country's ever had. To me, in my view, the pieces are in place for Justin to recreate that just society that his father talked about. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, where is the justice when there's such inequality? And I mean, it would be daring and, you know, and gutsy of this young man, and he's still quite young. I mean, I'm old. Are you over 50? You probably are. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, these things happen, right? <laughs> yes, they do. You know, I mean, the rich get rich and the poor get poorer. There's a song about that. And I mean, I, I can see Trudeau using it, you know. He'd say, listen, I'm going to take a, a shot at the rich getting rich and the poor getting poorer. And, you know, have some, you know, and make a make a kind of a, a, a statement that's, that's uh, you know, makes people's hearts feel, hey, this guy cares about us, you know. And re, you know, rebuild his popularity because I think he's got a good chance of winning again with this with this Paul Revere character, who's who's just such a you know a, a, such a target for the best kind of campaigning. I can't wait for the next campaign and for all the silly things he said to be used against him. You know, <laughs> it's a it's a campaigner's dream. You know. <laughs> Oh dear! But anyway, you know he's he's got his he's got his points, and you know he's he's got a following on social media that's incredible. Uh, even if he dislikes the press, I mean, you've got your your chances of getting him on an interview are pretty slim. I would think, although he likes the local press, maybe you'll get him. I Jim, maybe you could get him. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I speak his language, Patrick, but uh, maybe I will. Uh, Patrick Osage, I really enjoyed our conversation. I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, the former press secretary to Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau uh, worked in the Canadian Embassy with Ambassador Alan Gottlieb and an accomplished author and a great pundit and has great insight to this nation. Patrick, thank you so much for your insight. Okay, well, anytime I'm here, okay? Take care. Okay, happy day. Happy days. Okay, bye. When we come back, a life coach and a familiar broadcaster sharing their positive plans for 2023. Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. Our motivation for the new year continues next with a perspective from a life coach, Shaliza Backus, with the step-by-step process. We are into the first weekend of a new year, and many people have been through a lot in 2022, much of which has carried over from the previous two years. Now, while many of us want to change our frame of mind and be more positive headed into 2023, that may be easier said than done. Our next guest suggests a less pressured way to reach your goals for the new year. Mindset and performance coach Hina Khan joins me with her unresolution guide. How are you, Hina? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, Hina, before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I am a peak performance mindset coach, and I've been in the industry, oh my gosh. Well, I'm also a former psychotherapist, so for close to 20 years, and What I love looking at is how transformation happens. And what I know is that it's an inside-out approach. So once we start to change things at the subconscious level, we can truly create anything that we desire. And that's what I help my clients do. I love that so much. Now, Hina, it's a definite fact that many of us, we pressure ourselves quite a bit at the start of a new year, but you are rethinking and redefining the term resolution. How and why are you doing that? Just like you said, we pressure ourselves when it comes to the new year. And for many of us, it actually doesn't feel like the new year. September feels more like a new year. We're sort of in the middle of things now, but we feel this pressure to come up with something to make changes, 
But that pressure is not necessarily coming from within us. It's coming from outside of us. And we feel like it's a new calendar year, so we've got to start to change things. But because that pressure is coming from outside of us, we may choose to work on a goal or have a resolution, and by the end of January, we've abandoned it. And then we can get really hard on ourselves because we're like, I'm no good at this. I'm not able to stick through things. And that's not true at all. We never really had the right goal and we were doing something because of this social construct as opposed to really looking within and thinking, is this something that I really want to change? And do I want to do it now? Okay. And then, so with that being said, is it still worth it then for us to make resolutions? Not necessarily. Look, you want to set yourself up for success. So if you feel like you should have a resolution, then that is probably a sign that you should not because that's coming from the external. When we think about changing habits, let's say quitting smoking, for example. Smoking takes very little brain power. It is an automatic habit if you are a smoker. You don't really have to think about it. And things around you support you smoking. So if you want to change that, that is going to take some efforting and you really want to connect with why you want to change it as opposed to the change of a calendar year. Good tips. Okay, so then in that case, how should we actually approach it? How should we go about reaching our goals and mainly staying positive? You know, it's really easy to just beat up on ourselves and say, I can't believe I'm not doing this. I need to do this. How do we approach those things in a more positive way? What you want to do is, first of all, get clear on what you want, not what somebody else wants for you, not what your partner wants for you, what your family wants, what your kids want. What do you really want? And then write that goal down. And then you, you know what you can do? You can carry that piece of paper with you as a reminder. And also what I love is make it your screen safer. Oh. So you can always be looking at your goal. And then you want to connect with the feeling. So many of us want to accomplish something or create something because there is a feeling at the end of it. It might be confidence. It might be feeling freedom. It might be feeling happy. Connect with that feeling now. And then this is so important. You've got to optimize your environment. And the reason that this is so important is because your current environment is set up for your current habits. So if you want to change something, you've got to change your environment. And I don't even mean like removing ashtrays if we're talking about smoking. It could also mean changing your social circle a little bit, which I know that's what people don't want to do, right? Like that's where they feel a lot of loss, but you will have to change some things. It could also be what you're listening to, listening to things that are more in harmony with where you want to be as opposed to where you were. So these are things that you want to do and then own it. Be that person now. So for example, if we're talking about quitting smoking again, instead of saying to someone, I just quit, you say, I don't smoke. So you are being that now. Oh, I like that. All right. Now we know that we want to reach our goals, but sometimes things get in the way. It doesn't always happen the way we plan. What happens if we don't reach those goals or if we found ourselves a little off track? Do you know what percentage of people reach their goals according to Forbes magazine? Tell me. 3%. That's a little lower than I thought, but... (laughs) Right? 3%. So what that means is many of us at times are going to be off track. Most of us will be. 
Here's the thing. A goal is not to get. The true purpose of a goal is to grow. It's about who you become. So all of those missteps, those things that you might be looking at as failures are actually part of the growth that happens. And you could also be closer than you think. Sometimes the greatest resistance comes up when you're getting really, really close. So what you want to do sometimes is actually just take a break. You can step away, have a nap, reassess, and then come back to it. But know that that is actually part of the process. So don't think of it as doors are closing. Think of it as a redirection. So for example, if you are going to travel somewhere and you put into your GPS the address of where you're going and you make a wrong turn, are we not happy that the GPS lets us know? That's a good so point. That's all that's happening. Like when we, all we're always done is we've made a wrong turn. Like it's good if something doesn't work out because it's redirecting us. So that is the way that you can look at it, a mindset shift that can make a huge difference. So you're part of the 3% that reaches the goal. <laughs> Uh, 3%. I'm still stuck on 3%. I know. <laughs> that is nutty. But, you know, it, um, it makes sense because we get in our own way. But you want to not judge yourself. Don't shame yourself. And also be around people that believe in you. Find a support system as well. Be around people that have done what you want to do so that it doesn't feel so out there or far-fetched. It may be out there and far-fetched for the people in your current circle, but there's a circle where these are the conversations that are happening. There's a circle where they are doing crushing goals like this often. Yes. And you want to go and mix with those people. That's And this might answer my next question because you've kind of already answered it. But if you could give our listeners one key piece of advice for 2023, although you've just given us a bunch of great pieces of advice, what would you say? I would say that when you're thinking about what you want to do, think about who you need to be. So instead of asking how, ask who. So let's say you have a goal. A lot of my clients have financial goals. So let's say you have a goal to hit seven figures, to make a million. Instead of asking yourself, how would I make a million? Ask yourself first, who do I need to be to be a millionaire? Who, not how. I like that. There's some very thought-provoking things for the new year from you, Hina. <laughs> And if our listeners want to follow you and want some more information about you, where can we go? I think the best place is Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. That is at Coach with Hina. And then my website, Hina at HinnaCon.ca, has all of the links and all of the information. Thank you, Hina. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy New Year. And thank you so much for all of this insight. It's only positive vibes headed into 2023. Amen to that. Kevin Frankish now with one of the most positive people we know. She is the most positive and inspirational person I know. We've shared so much together, the good times, the bad times. She is always able to find that sunbeam through the clouds. She is my partner from Breakfast Television, Hi, Dina Pugliese. Oh hey, Dee. so nice. Happy New Year, partner. Happy New Year to you. Do you know what the most annoying thing about you is? Um, this is how we're starting it, really, Kev. That's right. This is exactly... The most annoying thing is you were, you were always so positive. It's, it's yes. irritating. 
It's irritating, Dina. <laughs> this is what I love about Ken. This is true, but you've also seen me sad, very sad. You've also seen me leave the station and, like, go to hospitals. You've, like, been there in the corridors with me. You, you, you've seen the other stuff that happens to all of us being human well, on the planet. I mean, yeah, and, and, and that's why I am kind of an authority on you. I know I've seen you at, at your worst, um, but that's so rare and far between. And you always, always pull yourself out of it. What Do you have a philosophy you live by when it comes to, to life, to being positive? Um, it's such a good question, Kev. I guess for me, it's just like it's always a choice. So it's either you could choose to stay in a rut, in a funk, and be sad, or if you can, figure out ways to get yourself out of it and choose happy. So some days it's easier to do than others. So whether it's like watching a comedy, hanging around a funny friend, um, eating something that you like, going for a five-minute walk, ecotherapy. I know you're so big on nature and always heading outside too. Like hearing the birds. It could be something so small, smiling at somebody. Um, it could be little things like that, like the connectivity is sometimes what we're lacking and the pushing ourselves to get fresh air. Whatever it takes to get you out of that funk to always choose positive and looking at the good stuff that happens to you in the day rather than the bad. Because if we're constantly comparing, especially, you know, Kev, this day and age of social media, it can really wear you down, right? It's just bombarding you. So you have to make that choice and figure out ways to get yourself out of it. You used uh, an interesting uh, term there, choose happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like and it's that. not it's not it's not easy to do. Like you know what you've talked about the stuff that you've been through on air with me, you know, sitting at that table on BT or the couch and panic attacks and you connected with so many people by talking about it and removing the stigma from it. And it took a long time and you came up with tools that work for you. So I'd say the same thing happens this time of year, like seasonal affective disorder is a thing for a reason is because there's not as much sunlight. We're waking up, going to work in the dark, coming home in the dark. So we need to figure out ways and things that work for us. I just actually talked to a doctor this morning and she said, if you can't get outside, literally sit by a window that has some sun, like cats do seriously, like something that just like gets you out of it with sunlight or whether it's one of those sad lamps or, you know, do something that you enjoy. Read a book. Play a song that makes you happy. Bake some muffins or cookies. You're a great chef. Cook something up. Use one of Ken's recipes. Whatever it is that gets your mind off things, because it is easier said than done sometimes, right? Or call that friend, like talking to you. This is amazing, Kevin. 2023. We, we text and touch, but it's not the same. It's something. And it's so nice to do this. And just before the interview, you're like, you know, we were chatting about we need to get together. We keep talking about it. We got to put in that date like you would with uh, anything else a hair appointment, a dentist appointment, and, and and book that date with that friend to catch up to catch up with, you know, and, and chat with and connect. That's that's why we're all here. How what do you do? Like how do you get yourself out of days where you're feeling like, nah, I'm not feeling it today? Like what do what do you what are the mechanisms you use, Kev? Do you know, I think unknowingly I use what you said, choose happy. I mean you can choose that. It's not gonna change the outcome. If anything, it's going to affect the outcome into a, a negative way. So I think that choosing happy, I like that. Yeah, you have to make a conscious effort to choose it because the other stuff can weigh you down. Now, if you feel you can't get out of that rut and it's day after day and it seems bleak and even more bleak, 
Then you got to reach out for help. And you know, you've always been talking about this. Call somebody, whether it's somebody you know or don't know a perfect stranger, because you don't want to be ever feeling in that situation where it's hopeless. Because there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And this too will pass. All those cliches are there for a reason. They're true. So make sure, like that terrible news, oh my gosh, Kevin Twitch, who took his own life. Uh, oh my gosh, it was devastating. And he, here he was personify joy and dance and everyone thought he was the happiest guy on the planet. You never know what anybody's going through and struggling with. And they may put on a face of happiness. Maybe you can't even see it. So whenever you can reach out to somebody, because people may not even know or pick up signs. Do you find it difficult to choose happy? Is it second nature? Are there times it's more of a struggle? Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Like, um, without getting into too much detail to protect their privacy, you and I were chatting about this earlier too, is I was a, a caregiver to somebody I loved not too long ago, and it was really scary what they went through and uh, really prolonged, and I was there as much as I could be, but then there's parts that they just had to, like, get through on their own because I physically couldn't do it for them, and it's that feeling of helplessness, and I always want to go and I'm a fixer. I've been there for other family members, and I can be by their bedside, you know, in hospital as they go through treatments or surgeries. But this was, like, completely different. And I guess it's the helplessness made me feel like, what else can I do? What else can I do? So we have to, I guess, just try and take the pressure off ourselves, whether we're going through something or trying to be there for somebody else, and try and find a balance. Because I feel like it's either feast or famine. We're either doing too much or maybe we're bored. And then our brains run amok and we feel like out of touch with our own bodies, out of sync, right? Maybe some consistency or regularity of things help. Again, whether it's that 10-minute walk or whether it's that certain breakfast you like to eat or whether it's that show that you look forward to watching, build in those structures that help you get out of that mundane, bleak feeling. That's what I, I'm not a doctor, but I know that's what works for me. I play one on TV sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I thank you for the inspiration you've given me for so many years and continue to give me. Uh, thank you for being my friend and all the best in the new year. <laughs> you make me cry. <laughs> well, thank you for being, thank you for being the most annoyingly positive person there I know. <laughs> there he is. Kev, every time I slice up with a pot of toddy, I think of you and you're just for it. <laughs> And I love it so much. But, Kev, you have taught me so much. I have learned so much from you. You have helped guide me. You you plucked me out of obscurity, and you convinced me to take on BET when I was like, I don't want to do mornings again, and I'm scared to share too much. And you're like, listen, you're, you're in good hands with the viewers here, and you can only share what you feel comfortable to share. You really took me under your wing, and I'm forever grateful, and I'm forever, oh, my gosh, so blessed for all the years we got to work together and our ongoing friendship. And this has been really, really nice. You've helped to guide so many people out there, and you still do every single day. So let's well, see, my and, friend, and to your family. And right back at you, let's choose happy. Let's choose happy, Kev. After the break, starting the year on the right financial footing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region. This is The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. Having our financial house in order is always a good idea. Glenn Perkins now with the dollars and cents. 
It's a new year and many people are making New Year's resolutions. For some, it's time to get physically fit. For others, it's a financial fitness. To talk about how to become financially healthy, we're joined by Anne Arbor from the Credit Counseling Society. And welcome to the program. Thanks very much. What is the first thing that you would say to someone coming to you for help? The first thing is we're happy that you came for help because so many people do not and debt and financial stress can be very, very difficult to deal with. Um, In terms of in practical terms, I would say the first thing to do is really put things on to paper. Know your numbers, what you're really looking at. What are the stories that you've heard from clients? Oh, gosh, we hear it all. Financial stress doesn't just hit one particular income level, one particular profession. Um, It happens to anybody and for any reason. Life happens. People get sick, people lose jobs, people split up. We've heard it all. And Anne, it's so easy to run up those credit cards and lines of credit. How can we stop ourselves from doing that? Well, I think the first thing you know to really understand is, A, you're not alone, and it is easy to do for all kinds of reasons, not just because it's you know a really fun thing to do to go get new shoes and new bags all the time. The first thing you can do is put the cards away and take a really good look, as I say, to know your numbers at what money is coming in and what is going out and where the differences are and where the shortfalls are. I'm a big believer in budgeting, But that's not always easy when you're living paycheck to paycheck. How do you overcome that hurdle? Well, first of all, a lot of people have don't love that word budgeting. So you know, if you're if it's something that causes stress, is coming up with a a different focus for yourself on the spending plan. But it's knowing what the the imperatives are, what you must have, what you know, what is the rent that must be paid or the mortgage that must be paid, um, what are the bills that absolutely have to be paid, and then where are the opportunities for some flexibility? What are the things that, you know, maybe can be put off for a little while? What are the things that can be changed uh, if it's not an actual fixed amount or if it's not an actual um, necessity, where is the flexibility? But knowing your numbers can give you the opportunity to really assess. A lot of people don't track what they're spending. And again, it doesn't have to be every single last penny, but you may be telling yourself you spend a certain amount on transit in a month or on gas in a month or on groceries in a month. We all know those numbers are changing quite a bit. So knowing what you're truly spending will show you an opportunity where maybe you can make some cuts or maybe you can redirect some funds towards some of those must-spend items. And sometimes it can be just the little things because for myself, every morning coming to the office, I stop and get a coffee, which is about two bucks. So that's at the end of the week, that's 10 bucks and $40 at the end of the month. It can definitely be a lot of little things, and I don't like to, you know, strictly point out coffee drinkers, but it can be the lunches. It can be, again, even just at the grocery store, what are you buying that can be done differently? You know, maybe you can switch. Certainly, these times we have a lot of discussions and a lot of calls around the high price of groceries right now. So, you know, switching to frozen fruits and vegetables. Maybe you can save some money there shopping the sales, um, looking at flyers, doing some price matching, those kinds of bits and pieces. Yes, wherever there are opportunities to make some changes, the little bits do add up for sure.
And, and I think you touched on it at the very beginning of our conversation that we are not alone in this situation with everything we've gone through with COVID and also the economy, inflation. Everyone is struggling, especially at the grocery store. For people who are listening who find they may need some help, what's the next step that they should take? is finding a trusted source. So I certainly, obviously, am an advocate for not-for-profit credit counseling agencies. You know, you finding one that is local. Uh, and others, we serve across many provinces and, and territories. But reaching out for help, finding a trusted source, and making sure that they're accredited so that it's not just your, you know, best friend's uncle giving you advice. Although he may, may be just as qualified. And Ava from the Credit Counseling Society, thank you for speaking with me today. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Glenn Perkins for 105.9 The Region. And you know it, we couldn't kick off the new year without a few healthy habits. Jim Lang now is off to the gym. 2023 is here. It's January. The holidays are over. People are now staring at, uh, well, budgets that are tightened and belts that are tightened because of expanded weight. And we need to get in shape. Thrilled to be talking to Dr. Doriana Parkin, who is a mother of three, lover of chocolate and coffee and fitness. And she's going to help us get fit for 2023. Doctor, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, good. Uh, Excellent. I mean, I'm fitness is important to me and, and I find for my friends, uh, my friends' wives, and all of us, it, it's finding that 15, 20, 25 minutes a day. And I, I, I've read some research, and maybe you can help us, Dr. Parkin, that if you can give 20, 25 minutes a day, that is enough to stay fit and keep healthy in 2023. Absolutely. Um, if you, you know, I think if you look at the guidelines for exercise, the Canadian guidelines, I mean, the recommended amount that we should be striving for is 150 minutes a week. Hmm. Um, But that 150 minutes a week is really at your discretion and how you can fit it into your day. And so what I always sort of encourage, um, what I used to encourage my patients to do and what I encourage my followers to do on, on my social media accounts and people who are doing my program is to get in as much exercise as you can throughout your day even if it's in little bits, because I'd rather have you do those little bits of exercise than to do nothing at all. You know, because most, a lot of people, for example, don't have that dedicated one hour to go to the gym. So, you know, and, and that's totally understandable with work and family life and things, you know, that just sort of get in the way. And so if you can squeeze in 10 or 15 minutes here and there, um, it's totally, you know, doable and it helps to achieve that 150 minutes as you accumulate it throughout the week. Maybe you can clear this up, but people think, well, exercise, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with it. Going for a walk is exercise, is it not? So funny you ask. I think that walking is probably one of the most underrated forms of exercise that we can actually do. I mean, if you if you are really struggling and you've never lifted a weight before and you've never gone to a gym before, the one thing I would absolutely recommend is walk. And, you know, we always hear about the 10,000 steps. And, yes, that is the goal, ultimately. Um, it's kind of a bit of an arbitrary number, actually. But, you know, even that might be daunting to somebody who's really been sedentary for a long time. So we have to remember that it's where you're starting from. And so if getting, you know, 4,000 or 5,000 steps a day in uh, is a huge, you know, thing for you, then, then that's great. Start there and then work your way up. But walking is probably one of the best, easiest, you know, it's free uh, form of exercise that we can that we can use. 
As I've gotten older, I've gone away from just straight weights to a combination of walking, uh, walking the dog, body weight exercises, uh, incorporating some yoga poses and some kettlebell here and there, just so it's 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 healthy. But I find it's easier on my body. Am I on the right track doing that? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head here with a few things. Actually, I think that you know people really kind of get get a little bit. Um, you know, sort of pigeonholed into, well, should I be doing cardio? How much, what, you know, strength training should I be doing? And then we hear about mobility and, and how important that is. And, you know, unless you're specifically training for something in particular, um, if you're just basically trying to live a healthy lifestyle, I think that our goal should be to get a little bit of everything. Mm. So walking is a great form of cardio. Yoga, Pilates, just even stretching is great, especially as you get older, to maintain that agility and your flexibility and to help with your balance. Um, and I think that weight training is probably, you know, one of the things that we, um, you know, we should be really stressing that people do, even if it's body weight training. So I'm talking about training without even heavy weights. And the reason for that is because we have to maintain muscle mass, especially as we get older, but it's also super important for our bone health. You know, so think of your postmenopausal female who now, you know, is, probably losing bone density because of the lack of estrogen in her system, weight training is a great way to maintain that um, that bone density. So if you're doing a combination of kettlebells and some resistance training, you can use resistance bands and you're doing a bit of yoga and some cardio, I mean, I think you're getting the best of every world there. Fantastic. Speaking with Dr. Doriana Parkin, who is a fitness expert and uh, trying to get you healthy, you can get more information at her website simply without the I, S-M-P-L-Y, simply fitwellness.teachable.com. And you have a 12-week program, especially geared towards women, about being fit and healthy. And you kind of walk them step by step on all the little aspects they need to live a healthier lifestyle in the new year. That's right. That's right. Um, it's a 12-week program on simplyfitwellness.teachable.com. And basically, I walk people through the three sort of tenets that I think really help live a healthy lifestyle, and that's fitness, nutrition, and self-care. Hmm. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the idea of fitness and nutrition. Talk about self-care. What, what, what should I be doing for self-care? Right. So I find that, you know, as I was sort of developing this program, what I, what I noticed was that you can find fitness programs and you can find nutrition programs and that's great. But in order to sort of, you know, complete that whole wellness picture, I think that self-care is something that is often neglected, especially, you know, especially among women who are busy or, you know, um, taking care, you know, if they're primary sort of caregivers to kids in the home and that sort of thing. And so self-care is often neglected. Um, and so what I do is I, I put in sort of weekly goals because self-care does not have to be luxurious. It doesn't have to be a, an hour massage or it doesn't have to be a day at the spa. Self-care can be as simple as, you know, making that, that doctor's appointment for, you know, that, you know, sore shoulder you've had for the last two months that you've never, you know, given yourself the time to actually address. It's, um, you know, it could be 10 minutes of reading a day. It could be just sitting in solitude having a cup of coffee without interruption. <laughs> and so just adding that little bit of self-care to your day where you can recharge, refocus, um, you know, and that helps to sort of make you the better version of yourself. Um, and I find that that's often neglected in our day-to-day life. I'm glad you brought that up, Dr. Parkin, because I think a lot of people feel, oh, I don't deserve to have this for my, you know, I don't deserve to take this time, but not only do we deserve it, we need it, am I right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, if we think about all the all the things that we have to do during the day, so, you know, your work and your extracurricular activities, and, you know, if you have pets, it's taking care of the pets. Mm. And so oftentimes we put ourselves last. Well, you know, think about how you feel at the end of the day when you've given, you know, yourself to everybody else and you've really left nothing for yourself. And And like I said, it can be 10 minutes of just you time, and sometimes that's all it takes to sort of, you know, get back into sort of that that frame of mind where you feel a little bit more content and more peaceful. And you're such, you know, you're such a happier version of yourself when you can do that. And then, of course, you can help other people better because you're taking care of yourself. So I just love the way you've broken this all down, that, that 15, 20 minutes of this, 10 minutes of that. And when you hear those kind of time frames, you're like, oh, I can squeeze that in in a day. And it makes it a lot more uh, of a, a thing, achievable goal to be fit and have better self-care in 2023 when you break it down that way. That's exactly it. I think that in today's day and age, everybody, you know, we're, we're, we live in a society where it's go, 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 go. Um, and so I think we have to, yes, you know, ideally we'd love to sort of, you know, scale back and make things a little bit less rushed. But the reality is some people, you know, if you're not able to do that, it doesn't, you don't have to sacrifice your health and your wellness um, for your busy lifestyle. So what I teach in my program is how do you incorporate that into your day in little, little chunks so that it's doable and it's not overwhelming. Because oftentimes people will see programs, they become overwhelmed, they want to do it, but then they get frustrated and then they just basically give up. So this is a way where I teach you the tools that you will have no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can always fit these little tools into your day to help you know, um, to help meet those goals of your nutrition and your fitness and your self-care. Simplyfitwellness.teachable.com. That's simplyfitwellness.teachable.com. And where can we reach on social media, doctor? So my handle is Dr. Doriana, all one word, D-R-D-O-R-I-A-N-A. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Perfect. Absolute pleasure, Dr. Doriana. I think you're doing great things to help people, uh, mind, body, and spirit in 2023. Keep up the great work. It's much appreciated. Thanks, Jim. It was great talking. If you missed any part of our show, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you so much for listening.